I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead and joining me. As always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. Bop, bop, bop. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Got another Mavs win. Believe it or not, when you get one of your top three scores back from an injury, your team's good. <laughs> you know, your team's at least better. Uh, we, I just didn't understand. I didn't understand everybody freaking out when we were missing Tim Hardaway Christoph Porzingis and you know they lose a couple games people are questioning the playoffs and like all this stuff hey Tim Hardaway means a lot to this basketball team and you saw the immediate impact of that in the first quarter tonight absolutely absolutely you saw the impacts of that and uh, you saw the impacts of missing Porzingis for sure in this game we'll get to it in in this podcast we're going to break down the Mavericks 118 to 110 win over the Chicago Bulls Luca with another historic 30-point triple-double. We'll get into it. Could have been a 40-point. He, uh, he, how, what's the word? Sheepishly? I guess he, he sheepishly, with, I guess with a smile on his face, missed the last two free throws in order to make this a 40-point win, or a 40-point triple-double, but all the less, or all the more, all the less, nonetheless, me? nonetheless, all the more. Those are such weird sayings, I guess, anyway. Um, we will discuss Luca, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s return, as well as there was a couple comments from Delon Wright on uh, a Tim Cato story recently with his conversation with Delon Wright that I want to potentially That's talk good. about, and so let's we'll uh, we'll talk about that as well. So all right, let's get into it. Dallas Mavericks beat the Chicago Bulls. The starting lineup with Tim Hardaway Jr. back finally, almost all the way back. But this is just wild. Listen, <laughs> the starting lineup. Okay, so normally the Mavericks start Luca, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, and Dwight Powell. With those four. They normally, when everyone's healthy, start Kristaps Porzingis, who is seven foot three. Isaac, did you know that he's seven foot three inches tall? I I did not know that. I think he, he is seven foot three. Did you know that when he was out in this game, which is now the fourth game in a row that he's missed with a knee injury, seems like he's going to be coming back sometime this week. My guess would be the Lakers game that he'll come back, but that's just my guess. Total speculation. They replaced him with JJ Barea in the starting line. <laughs> they went from. Which is hilarious. They went from their second tallest player to their their shortest player because they have Boban. He's the second tallest. But is there uh, a bigger difference in the league? You could do Boban it? to Berea. Well, can any other can any other team in the league pull off a starter switch that goes from seven that? three to five nine ish? Yes, I don't think so. I, Joel Embiid so to Raul Neto, Earl Boykins. <laughs> <laughs> been gone forever um first quarter the mavericks were uh kind of playing around and then they eventually got out to a 10 point lead they uh they sub luca out with three minutes left in the or with just about three minutes left in the first quarter and had a really weird lineup to end the game to end the first quarter and the bulls kind of pulled kind of pulled um within five and then in the second and third quarter the bulls and the mavericks matched points uh, they both scored 28 in the second quarter. Both scored 27 in the third quarter. And then the Mavericks really only scored two more points than them in the fourth quarter. And this game, 
we have to start with it. This game is just so much about Luka. And the way that this Mavericks team has to win is just Luka being insane. Here's a stat. The Chicago Bulls scored 72 points in the paint. That is... I saw that game. after the game, and I thought I just read something wrong. I thought it was a typo or something messed up. Bunch of post-ups, bunch of fast break points. They scored 27 fast break points. The Mavericks only scored nine fast break points. 72 points in the paint. The Mavericks only scored 46. And that's a, that's a good number of points in the paint. Like, 46 is a lot. 72 is incredible. They were how playing... Many, how many fast break points, you say? The Bulls had 27. The Mavericks only scored nine. So that's what? 99 of their did I do my math right? 90, 99 of their 110 points was either a fast break point or point in the paint. Yeah. That's wild. Yep, that's that's pretty much how they played. Um they the Bulls out-rebounded the Mavericks 45 to 43. They had the same number of assists as the Mavericks, 25 to 25. But the stat that matters, and I tweeted this out. Number of Luka Doncic's the Bulls have zero, and the Mavericks have one. That was that was honestly the big difference. He scored 21 points in the third quarter. Uh, I think that's his highest point total in a quarter. Maybe in his career, definitely this season. But huge, huge for them. And honestly, it's just the difference between the Mavericks winning and losing is just Luka. If he doesn't go crazy, it's what happens in the Thunder game. It's what happens in the Hornets game. It's exactly those games. This could have been that those two games, right? Like all those things yeah. that happened in those games could have happened in this game. But Luca stepped up, pulled away. Uh, there's that great clip going around right now where Shaq Harrison was trying to talk some smack to Luca. Luca looks over at him, very Kobe-like, very Kobe-like. I don't know what you think about this, but very Kobe-like looks at him and says 34, 34 with his fingers. Says 34. I have 34 points. At that point in the game, Luca finishes with 38. Um, he also has what was it, 11 rebounds and 10 assists. Um, <laughs> gosh, the guy is insane. He hit um, five of his 10 threes, five of his 10 free throws. Again, missing two free throws at the end of the game to uh, potentially go to 40. He only had three turnovers in this game too. When the Mavericks were coughing it up all over the place, the Bulls just have a crazy defense. Um, they just have arms all over the place. And when they weren't causing direct turnovers, they were causing the Mavericks to drive and shoot into these weird layups that turned out to not be a shot attempt, if that makes sense. Like like someone would drive into the lane, they would almost try to shoot, but it was almost a pump fake, and then they just eventually kind of coughed it up. It didn't count as a turnover, it counted like as a missed shot. But there's a bunch like that, and that's where they got a lot of their fast break points. But let's go back to Luka. He's just incredible the way that he can take over games. Yeah, I mean, especially when you don't have Porzingis out there. And, I mean, even you saw the impact that you know, Tim Hardaway had in that first quarter, having 14 points in the first quarter. You kind of kind of breathed in a little bit, had a breath, a fresh breath of air uh, that somebody else was scoring the basketball besides Luka in a Mavs game over this past like week or so. Because it's felt like without Hardaway and without Porzingis that – if Luka isn't scoring, that the team is just struggling so much. And seeing Hardaway in that first quarter, you're like, all right, now we have another score out there. Somebody can score the basketball on their own. And, yeah, I mean, especially without Porzingis, it feels like if you don't get 30, 35 from, from Luka, you're really going to be struggling. And, you know, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer of it, but, you know, for until the very end of the game, until they pulled away with a little bit, you know, Luka was going off. Luka went off in that third quarter – this game was really weird because I, I felt like the Mavericks should have been up 
by a lot more for a lot for the majority of the game. But the Bulls just kept hanging around, and that scared me a little bit. I hate when teams do that. But even after Luca's just crazy third quarter, it was still a you know a single digit game after that, and that kind of worried me a little bit. Of all right, Luca just had his crazy quarter. He's having an amazing game, and the Bulls of all team are are still in this game. Yeah, it was. Uh, it only ended up being an eight point win, but the Mavericks were up by as many as what was it, fourteen in the fourth quarter. So after that run in the fourth quarter, it uh, they kind of pulled away, and Luca wasn't on the floor in that fourth quarter run really. Uh, it was the very beginning of the fourth, and Luka just came back on and kind of sealed the deal. All right, coming up, let's get into more of Luka Doncic's triple-double. We'll talk about the DeLon Wright quotes. We'll talk about the lack of Porzingis's in this game. There's a lot of things to get to coming up after this. But before we do, Isaac, I don't know about you right now, but I've, I'm at a point in my life where I almost can't fall asleep without listening to a podcast, listening to music, watching a TV show. I've... I've turned to Leslie Nope. I've turned to Ben Wyatt. I've turned to Parks and Rec. I watch Parks and Rec to fall asleep. And I just feel like that's not super healthy. Uh, and we talk about physical fitness, but there's another side of fitness. There's mental fitness and mental health. That's a huge thing. And we've talked about that on this podcast for sure, talking about mental health. If you need to talk to somebody, you know, if you need to get some stuff off your chest. But I think some of it might just be not getting the best sleep. Uh, and for LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental routine. He has built-in naps. Uh, lots of players talk about how they have built-in naps and all that. If you have a hard time going to sleep, if you have a hard time getting to a place where you can get into your REM cycles, Isaac, you can head to calm.com slash NBA and you get 40% off of a Calm membership. Calm was the Apple app of the year last year. The app of the year. All the apps. Think about all the apps you've ever had. Better than TikTok? <laughs> more than TikTok. More than Twitter.com. More than the Mavs app themselves. Uh, so many apps out there. The app of the year. It's also the number one app for meditation and sleep. Calm will give you... These stories, one of them's Matthew McConaughey. If you're a te- if you're a Texas grad out there, if you're a Texas all right, fan, all right, all right. hook them. You can listen to Matthew McConaughey tell you a 34 minute story to put you to sleep. Uh, this app will will help you fall asleep. It'll help you get into that right headspace. Better than a better than a TV show. Better than a podcast. Better than you know us trying to talk you to sleep. Maybe you fall asleep to us, but I recommend Calm. Again, calm.com slash NBA. You get 40% off of a premium membership. That's a lot. 40%. That's huge. I just went to it and I tried to uh, sign up for a subscription and I looked at the yearly and I said, I don't know if I want to do that yearly mark. But then I looked at the 40% off and I was like, dang, now I'm really, really thinking about it. So again, calm.com slash NBA. Get yourself some better sleep. All right, Isaac, you like that, right? You like that ad read. I do. It's a coincidence. Uh, last week in Colorado, I literally taught on the idea of rest and taking breaks and schedules and all this stuff. So this fits perfect. I've been reading books and doing all these statistics and everything uh, for the past like month. And so this app fits perfect. I wish I knew about this app before uh, before that trip last week. Isaac's, Isaac's at the pulpit and he's talking to his, his teenagers and he's like, guys, you know that even God at the seventh day rested. And while I have you guys thinking about sleep, Locked On NBA has a great offer for you. Calm.com slash Locked On. Calm 40% off right now. <laughs> Just an ad read right in the middle of <laughs> That's what, they sh- that's what like, you should what? do. That's what you should do. You should do ad reads right in the middle of your sermons. Boom. Captive audience. 
People can't go anywhere. You're shamed for looking at your phone during service. Right there, man. That's a prime opportunity. <laughs> Maybe the nonprofit status would have some. There would be some issues there, but probably, <laughs> probably. All probably. right, let's get back into the game. Uh, yeah, we talked about Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, but Luka Doncic is just so much for him too. The way that he sets him up. Uh, but having Tim Hardaway Jr. His athleticism stands out. I remember the first time we saw Tim Hardaway Jr. on the Mavericks, the first thing that stood out to us was, oh my gosh, he's fast. And it's not Wes Matthews, right? Like the difference between the two was jarring. Just seeing those two, um, you know, almost back to back in the games after they got traded for each other. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is great to have him back again. 14 points in the first quarter. He finished the game with 15 points um, in 21 minutes. He looks to be back from the hamstring injury. Um, but Luca, 38 points, 11 boards, 10 assists. He just throws some passes and does did some things in this game that I think can't go unnoticed. That that no-look pass to Justin Jackson in the corner, I think it was in that third quarter run. Justin Jackson has the ball in the right wing, and he passes it. He swings it over to Luca, and then Luca drives a little bit into the paint, basically to the to the right elbow. Justin Jackson slides, like kind of sneaks back farther into the corner as far as he can go and Luca just looks left passes the ball completely to his right right to Justin Jackson Justin Jackson nails the three to his credit and uh man he just, Luca just does some things he does some some crazy things that uh, every single game I feel like he does two or three things that you just wouldn't expect a 20 year old to do yeah I mean he just takes over you know you he's at this point to where literally I mean he's a top five you know, play in the league, top seven play in the league, however you want to rank But him. is he better than Ben Simmons, Isaac? Oh, my gosh. So I see some people trying to restart the Trey Young stuff again, and I'm like – The Trey Young like, stands will always start it. But I don't understand. Like, we're totally past that. We're comparing him to LeBron and these guys. Trey Young's back there trying to compare himself to, I don't know, DJ Augustine. So, Ooh. like, it's just not even – anyway. That's the kind of fiery Isaac that you guys sometimes miss, but it comes up every once in a while. You just hear it, and it's a dry fire, right? Like, they talk Maver- about Mavericks dry heat. Losing en- Mavericks ain't losing enough right now, so mm, – uh, Tell them. I don't have nothing. But this like Talk soon. Talk soon. <laughs> Hashtag talk soon. No, did but- you see my Did you see my tweet of that play that I said talk soon? No, it was no, a Luca play. Go check my timeline at Nick Van Exit. I'm the second best Mavs follow on Twitter. Go check my timeline. There's a play that. I- <laughs> yes, there's Nick, a yes. Nick won this thing or got close. To we didn't. This. We didn't talk about this. We should we say we didn't. Did we? No. The the craziness of this is that Nick, I'd say, frequently gets hate for being a Lakers fan every day, and it it just shows. On a serious though, it it, it just shows you that you can. You don't have to be like, I mean, he's a fan of the Mavericks. He doesn't like hate the Mavericks, but he's a fan of a different team. But his work and his work with this podcast and work on his own, it like transcends all that to where you come in second in this Mavs Twitter thing. And it just, I thought it was a cool thing. Yeah, there was a a Twitter user that started a Mavs Twitter personality bracket where they, they, pitted people against each other and there were polls and people voted and I made it into the top two. I beat you in the second round, which I did not expect. I very much expected to lose, but made it all the way to the final I mean, that two. magic jersey, you burned it and everything, so I'm just <laughs> glad you held up your end of the bargain. It's just too bad that it got lost in the cloud somewhere. I don't know I don't know where that video went. Anyway, um, yeah, so the, the play that I tweeted out was Luca. he came away with a loose ball on defense and it was the one where he and Seth were kind of like, are you getting it? Am I getting it? Are you getting it? And then Luca came away with it. He sees somebody behind him. I think it's either Shaq Harrison or Daniel Gafford. 
and he's driving the entire, he's going coast to coast, basically free throw line to free throw line, just expecting the entire time the guy behind him to foul him. And he, rightly so, gets fouled across the arms, throws up a floater, makes the floater, and it, it was just a Jedi move. Like, it's just, you know what's happening before it happens. If you remember in Phantom Menace where they're, uh, they're talking about pod racing and talking about Anakin Skywalker. And he's like, he can see things. Qui-Gon Jinn's like, you can see, he can see things before it happens. It's a Jedi trait. That's why he's quick reflexes, you know, like talking about that. And then they, they take Anakin to, to the Jedi temple. And they show him. This is so dumb. They have an iPad thing and they're like, they have different like uh, pictures on it. And he has to guess what the pictures are. Like, how does that, I don't understand how that makes you a Jedi, but he's standing there and he's like a ship. A cup, a speeder, a ship, and they like they like. All right, you're the chosen one. Cool. Maze Windu like puts it down, and he's like, "Hmm." (laughs) Looks over at Yoda. Anyway, talk soon. So, but Luca just does these things, and he he sees things before they happen. But honestly, I think he sees them before they happen because he's seen so much basketball. He's been around so many things. He's played basketball so much. This guy has put in his 10,000 hours, right? He's played on the second best league in the world. He's played at a professional level in the second best league in the world for years and years. And he just knows these things. He's seen these, these things happen before. He's seen like, Oh, I've seen this guy make this mistake. Boom. I'm going to exploit it right here. Boom. I've seen this game go to this moment where it just feels dead and nothing's happening. I'm going to hit two massive threes, you know, and drive in and hit a Euro step around two guys. It's just, it's incredible when he can pull these things off and he can't do this every single game, right? Like he, his body just isn't going to be able to hold up no matter how much new Holger does for him and his, you know, and his physical fitness and his body. But uh, when he does, it's special and it, it wins the Mavs games almost every time. Yeah. What I was saying while it goes, it reminds me of LeBron and Except, you know, watching watching LeBron, you know, at the peak of his game, you know, I didn't get to enjoy it because I've never been a huge LeBron fan. So <laughs> now I'm watching somebody, you know, around the same size as him do these same things and, you know, run the court like, not, you know, I mean, like run the court as far as uh, the offense and hitting guys and passes. And so now I'm getting to enjoy this because it, it's just you don't see this hardly at all. And when he decides to flip the switch – it's like in the third quarter, he's looking around. It's like, all right, well, you know, if we're going to win this game, I need to take it over. And, I mean, it literally is like a switch. It's when he wants to. And he gets in the paint at will. He When he's hitting the step back three and that, you know, he's hitting it at Man. a high clip, I mean, it's unstoppable at that point because then if you just get out of him, he's going to go right past you. And his passes, he's hitting all of them, pinpoint passes, accurate passes. And, you know, guys are hitting shots tonight and stuff too. And, you know, Tim Hardaway, you know, he had 15 points, but he only played 21 minutes. So, you know, Seth Curry, you know, even went 0 for 6 from 3 tonight. But shout out to Dorian Finney-Smith. He hit three threes tonight. And, I mean, yeah, I thought Dwight Powell, 16 points. Yeah, second six second leading scorer in the Mavericks. I mean, we can't. Whew, Dwight Powell, MVP? Stop. Most of your defense play of the year. 72 well, points in the paint, Isaac. I do want to take shots at somebody real quick. And it's not a Mavericks person. Oh. Um, the Chicago Bulls whole coaching staff. 
Oh, what we got to talk about this. What are you doing? For Daniel Gafford, you have a player who falls down, who gets hurt, who's ho- holding his ankle and leg. Most, you know, competent coaches, most coaches that know exactly what they're doing or, hey, I'm just going to show that I freaking care about my player. You know, most coaches call a timeout after the play's done. No, you don't even call a timeout. You get a delay of the game and then you still don't call a timeout. Your player is literally hurt, like on the floor and your players are like circling him. You don't send a trainer, nothing, and you take a delay a game, and then it takes the opposing team's coach to have a player foul him to get your player out of the game? Unbelievable. Like, I would be so pissed if... Anyway, I mean, we know, like, this guy's history with, like, practices and all that stuff, and uh, coach, you know, with players and whatever it is, but that was that was embarrassing on the coaching staff, in my opinion. If I'm another player, I'm pissed off about it. And it, I mean, it's just dumb. It made me mad. I'm not even a Bulls fan. Like it was just stupid. I hate. It. I mean, he obviously came back into the game. He was fine later on and played in some, but that that was just stupid. But Isaac, how will he ever learn toughness if he can't tough okay. out an injury? So how will Jim Bolin ever know about winning if he can't even have a winning season? What Isaac is talking about this play is at the end of the second quarter. Daniel Gafford steps on somebody's ankle, same way Luca did, except for behind him, and he twists his ankle. He's on the ground. He's holding his ankle on the ground. The Luca just drives right by him and scores, which is what you should do. Uh, and then Jim Boylan tries to instead of calling a timeout, which he should have done. He he had them. It's the second quarter. It's not like he ran out of timeouts. They they just try to sub somebody in during the change of possession, which is not allowed, right? Like, you have to have a stoppage of play. The ball has to stop. Uh, it doesn't stop. And then the, the Bulls inbounds the ball. They get it across half court, and he still didn't call a timeout. Daniel Gafford is, like, limping around. He made it to the other baseline, but he's limping around. And then, finally, Tim Hardaway Jr. has to foul in order for Jim Boylan to be able to get his sub, his sub in for Daniel Gafford on the Bulls. Uh, Tim Cato commented on the video I posted when I was confused about this play. He said, it actually appeared the referees even thought that Chicago was taking a timeout until Jim Boylan yelled that he wasn't and said, I'm subbing, which required the injured player, which is Gafford, to stay in the game until the next dead ball. So, <laughs> oh, they just assumed Jim Boylan knew the rules of the game. So that, they assumed cool. no, they assumed that he had some empathy and was going to call a timeout himself, and he wasn't. He was just going to wait till the next dead ball. He's going to play four on five, I guess. Just a weird, weird play. All I wrote in my notes is weird ass Jim Boylan situation. That's what I wrote in my notes. Yeah, very weird, very weird. All right, coming up, let's get into the rest of this game. Uh, I want to talk about Delon Wright for sure. I also want to talk about JJ Barea and Luca because there was a couple plays that really brought something out that I, I did not realize we had gone this far into the rabbit hole. So I want to get into that coming up after this. All right, Isaac. J.J. Barrett gets the start in this game. Um, he didn't play a ton. Yeah, he played just, just under 15 minutes. Two points, one board, one assist, one steal in the game. Uh, he went one of two from the from the floor. So it just, it didn't seem like he did a lot. But I think his, meaning, his, minutes, meanings, his minutes were meaningful uh, because... There's two possessions in a row where he was ISOing or running a pick and roll without Luca. Luca standing in the corner. And it was so jarring to see Luca not have the ball in his hands. I didn't realize how far we had gotten down this trail of Luca just being the entire offense when he's out on the court. That when he doesn't have the ball for just two possessions, it yeah. it like 
I felt like something was wrong, right? Like, you know, when you step into a room in your house or a room in your apartment or at school or wherever, you just can tell something is wrong, right? Like something is moved. A chair has been moved. You know, something has been, something has happened. Maybe something smells and you just can't tell exactly what it is. But you've seen that room or that place so many times that you you know every single little thing. Maybe it's an o- a slight OCD thing, but you can't exactly pinpoint what it is. This was not that. This you I could tell right away <laughs> what it was that Luca didn't have the ball in his hands. Um, it was wild that he just didn't have the ball in his hands, and it felt so wrong to me. Yeah, I mean, there's pretty much three playmakers on the team. It's Luca, JJ, and, and, and Jalen Brunson, and so when you put when you put Beret on the court and Delon. Mm, I guess to a degree, sure. uh, to a degree, yeah. Um, which I thought he played a good game, by the way, too. Anyway, but we'll get into the line. But yeah, yeah, with JJ, this is a bigger conversation too. When it comes down to the clutch stuff, and we were going to talk talk about clutch stuff yesterday, but we didn't, and we just talked about Drummond, and we'll probably I want to talk about it later on this week because I actually dug into a few things. But one of the reasons that I think there are different reasons you could try to pinpoint on, try to figure out these reasons of why Dallas uh, has struggled some in the clutch. But one of those reasons is, in my opinion, is something I go back to of what I've been kind of harping on a little bit is I think they still need some type of veteran presence in the rotation. And I think when you get in some of these clutch games, you know, and it's close game, having a vet and we're just using, I'm just using the Iguodala name, having somebody like that, that has been there, done that can calm you down a little bit. And I think JJ bring, yeah, in the huddle, even on the floor knows where to go, knows how to just do the, those little plays and stuff. And, and JJ's like pretty much the only guy on this team. I mean, Courtney Lee, but he just barely plays. And so getting 14 minutes out of JJ and just seeing Luca off the ball some, you do wonder of what if they did have another, you know, when we're the drumming conversation, if they pursue a trade somewhere, we would much rather see, you know, a wing guy, wing defender, another shooter. But one of those things too is another playmaker. If they go that route, is there a, a playmaker out there that would allow Luca to play off the ball more? And I think at, at some point, probably not this year, but some point over the next couple of years, we're going to see probably another playmaker alongside Luca that will allow him to play off the ball. And we, we're going to get to see a different type of Luca's game when he can cut more or even be like a, a screener at times. And it, it's at some point we, we could see that, but it's weird when we don't see him have the ball and he's on the court right now. <laughs> it was just very weird to me. Um, I don't think that the Mavs would be at their their highest point if Luka didn't have the ball in his hands all the time. He has to have some growth as well playing off mm-hmm. the ball, I think. And uh, But he doesn't but have Having a, that flexibility and that versatility to put him off the ball, yeah. I think, would be they don't would ha- be They just don't have that right now. Yeah. If they had Kemba, then maybe we're talking about that right now. But mm-hmm. it's a very different situation. Yeah. All right, let's get into the DeLon Wright stuff. Um, this was a story from Tim Cato on The Athletic, so you can go read the whole thing. But he just had a couple quotes, and Tim actually tweeted this whole thing out so I can read it, and it's not violating whatever paywall they have. Subscribe to The Athletic, by the way, if you haven't already. Good people over to. there. Good people over there. Yeah. Tim Cato said, what in your view changed that you started coming off the bench? And DeLon Wright said, I don't know. It's a coach's decision. Whatever he saw, he wanted me to come off the bench, so kind of can't fight it. Tim Cato said, Carlisle has said you feel more comfortable coming off the bench. Would you agree with that? DeLon Wright said, no, I wouldn't say that. It was the first game of the year, so I don't know. Know what I mean? It was the first game of the year. We won the next game. He decided that. 
And he's referencing DeLon Wright started the very first game of the year. He started all preseason, but he started the very first regular season game of the year, then was benched the second game, and then started again the third the third game. It was benched the rest of the season, has not started since then, even with the injuries. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of tone DeLon Wright had in this. He's such a chill guy that this could just be him saying, you know, this is what happened, and yeah. Uh, and then, of course, all players say, "Would you rather come off the bench or start?" You know, very few are the Manu Ginobili's or the, you know, the Lou Williams that say, "Yeah, I'd rather come off the bench." You know, it's very few the players that say that, especially guys that haven't had a massive payday in their, you know, <laughs> NBA career so far. But um, what did you take from these comments from Delon Wright as far as coming off the bench, starting, and what does that mean for the team? Uh, I did find him interesting. I, I will say that I enjoyed that Q and A and that part of it. I did like raise my eyebrows. So I'm like, Hey, at least he's being honest. <laughs> Cause uh, I think, you know, no matter what type of winning situation, I don't care if the team was you know, undefeated or a team goes 82 and zero, and you interview players. There's deep down, deep down inside players are going to feel a certain way. They're going to want their own shine. They're going to want to start and all this stuff. You just don't normally see it vocalized as, you know, as much. And to see, see DeLon kind of vocalize that. And you have to wonder what those conversations look like in free agency. You know, when they when they had those conversations with DeLon, it's kind of what we were all talking about. And you, you heard even Rick talk about it before preseason even hit of we view him as a starter. When he got hurt in the preseason, we were sitting here debating on, all right, well, what type of starter is DeLon? Is he 100% a starter to where he's going to be hurt for a few games and then he's going to come back and he's like, that's his spot? I, I didn't think that it was going to be like this. I didn't think that it was going to be a, you know, I think when they signed him, they had an unfold full uh, intention of him being a starter alongside Luca. And then bam, he came off the bench and you know, he's, he plays well off the bench with Jalen Brunson. And in a way they've kind of formed a Dallas version of Toronto of, you know, back when he played in Toronto, Jalen Brunson's in that Van Vliet row off the bench and DeLon Wright's in the same role. He is, you know, at, off the bench you know, to where they played in Toronto. So they kind of formed their own version of that coming off the bench. But it looks like, you know, like most players, I don't fault him. I'm not like taking shot. I don't fault him at all for feeling this way. It's just, it's kind of, kind of interesting just to see him vocalize that though. It is interesting. And I think that, and maybe this theory falls apart since Tim Hardaway Jr. has been hurt, but I think that the uh, emergence of Tim Hardaway Jr. as we've we've joked and actually mean the third best player on this Mavericks team to play so well next to Luca, um, he goes from you know a solid starter playing next to Luca, but when he's not playing with Luca, he goes he becomes like not a solid NBA player, right? Like just, the the this, the difference is so drastic between when he plays next to Luca and when he doesn't that. Uh, he has to start, and the resurgence of him has made it so that I think DeLon Wright has to to come off the bench. I feel like that's just w- – and then they have to play Dorian for defense. They have to play yeah. you know, Dwight Powell. They love Dwight Powell. Then they have to obviously play Porzingis. So there's just not a lot of options for him to come in and start. Yeah, that's the thing. They're so, they're so committed to Porzingis playing the four to where you would think in a world that you would put Porzingis at the five – Porzingis at the five, but Dorian at the four, kind of move everybody up, and then you start DeLon with Luca. But, you know, with them being so committed to Porzingis at the four, then then you have to start a five, and that's where they're going to start, Powell or Maxi, whoever it is. And, and, yeah, I mean, he's not going to replace Dorian or Tim Hardaway right now because 
you have to have both of them for the two things that they, you know, they're the best at shooting and defense. It's so interesting that even with Tim Hardaway Jr. out, that like JJ Barea or Justin Jackson gets these starts instead of Delon Wright, though. That is kind of that still is kind of weird to me. Well, I think it goes back to what Rick likes to do. Rick Rick doesn't like messing with these bench units, and they love playing Brunson and Delon Wright together. And I know at the beginning of the season, I was contemplating. Uh, doing a story on this, uh, that combo of Brunson, DeLon Wright, because at one point, uh, as far as net ratings for two-man lineups for Dallas, that was the best net rating. And it was very early in the season, but the DeLon Wright-Brunson minutes, and so I, I need to go back and look at it, but when they found that kind of marriage in the backcourt, Rick likes to do this sometimes of, hey, let's just keep this second unit together, bring somebody up that would be a third string, if you would say, put them in the starting units where you can keep the second unit together and all that, but... I want to look at DeLon's three-point percentage real quick. Okay. It's pretty I, good. It's like 38. Yeah, 38% right now. That's been huge. And I know we have – I think we have a board bet on that of what DeLon's Ooh, uh, would be. I, th- I want to say 36, maybe, or 35. Uh, but because last year, 2018-19 season, he shot 29% from three. Uh, the year before that, he shot 36. And – him shooting thirty eight percent from three, it's just a, you know a three, you know basically a three and a half per game. That's that's big time for him. Delon Wright, our board bet. Delon Wright three point percentage over under thirty six percent. That was his career high at the time. I took the under. You took the over. Ooh. Well, now he's, he's he hasn't taken a ton of them, right? He's only taken three yeah. a game, right? So one bad even week in could, the Toronto. One bad week yeah. could change this, but right now he's he's hitting them and it's awesome. Yeah, even in that Toronto year in 2017-18, he shot you know 2.2 uh, a game. So he's not even at two a game, but shooting 38 percent that that's still impressive. For oh, him. he's less I than think, t- he's less than two a game. Yeah, less than yeah. two a game. Um, I think on a season uh, overall, I think he's having a pretty good year so far. Yeah, I think so too. He's playing just about 20 minutes. Um, some of that has been injury. He's played a couple of games here where he played like six minutes to start the game and or to you know to come into the game at the beginning and then didn't play the rest of the game like that Charlotte game didn't want to come in because of the foot uh, or we think it's because of the foot. So um, that's kind of messing with his minutes average for sure. Um, but when you compare it to that Toronto year that says that seventeen eighteen season to where he came off the bench. And with Van Vliet and all that stuff, that Toronto year, he averaged 20 minutes a game. He's at 20 minutes a game now. Yeah. He averaged eight points a game. He's at seven and a half right now. Uh, he's averaging a little bit more you know, rebounds and assists than that, but he shot 36%, shot, shooting 38% now from three. So it, it's a really similar type of role of what you know what he played for Toronto that year. Yeah, which kind of stinks for a player that wants to grow and get you know to – get to another level, but uh, it's good for the Mavericks because he's an overqualified role player in his role right now. Uh, we've yeah. heard about Seth Curry, you know, saying he'd rather start, and you've mentioned that a lot, you know, that Seth Curry would rather start. But And, and you never know. It's having these type of pieces, it, it's huge when it comes to playoffs because when you go into the playoffs and you have a matchup with one team and you're only playing this one team for a couple of weeks and you're guaranteed at least four four games against each other, a lot, so much of it is matchup based. And if they go against somebody who has a, a really big time score in point guard, let's just let's just say they match up with Portland or they go against Utah and Donovan Mitchell's you know averaging thirty a game or something, and we even you know going back to 2011, seeing Rick Carlisle inserting JJ Bray into the starting lineup, like. <laughs> You could see what if they're in a playoff series against Utah and Utah comes out and win, wins the first two games and Mitchell's had like 35 both of those games. And they're saying, hold up, all right, we're going to switch everything up. 
We're going to put Porzingis at the five, and we're going to start DeLon Wright yeah. because we need him to guard Donovan Mitchell. That's where stuff uh, – that's where your your depth and having somebody like DeLon is key. And he could, you know, literally shift a playoff series because of a defense on at the point guard spot. Absolutely. And something I want to mention before we go is that other teams do this too. We saw when um, – what was it? Chris Middleton was out. We saw that Dante DiVincenzo like leapfrogged some of their bench players to come in and start. Like he leapfrogged George Hill. He leapfrogged um, like Pat Connaughton. He like he leapfrogged some of these guys uh, and started ahead of them because they want to keep those bench units intact. So like other teams, other teams do this too. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's not like abnormal for teams to do this. But all right, we'll be back uh, tomorrow, right? We have yes a guest tomorrow. A huge yeah. guest. We do have a huge guest tomorrow, and I'm super pumped for it. Uh, new to the pod. Uh, I haven't heard him really on any pod before. Uh, I think maybe... I think he's ESPN. done an ESPN Daily. I feel like he's done one of those. I feel like they've done some specials here and there, but you want to say yeah. it? Go ahead and say Wait. it. Yeah, yeah. So with this whole Luca <laughs> uh, shoe stuff, man... You know, we've been I've been wanting to have a pod to just cover everything with Luca, Jordan, his shoe free agency and everything. And uh at the top of the ladder, at the top of the food chain in my opinion is It's Nick Michael Paul. Jordan. He got Michael <laughs> Jordan on the <laughs> Michael Jordan. Um but no Nick DePala, he really started, you know, covering shoes and everything. He started this wave and um uh, yeah, he works for ESPN. He covers all shoe stuff for for ESPN. He, there's nobody in this whole business that is more plugged in to shoes and contracts and uh, just everything with brands and players. And uh, I've yeah, I've did some stuff with him before in the past when Dennis Smith Jr. came to Dallas, and so I reached out a while back. So anyway, tomorrow is a good 35 to 40 minute pod. Uh, me, Nick DePaula, talking everything Luca, Jordan Brand, the other brands after Luca uh, in that race, why Luca picked Jordan, Jordan Brand's plans with him, signature shoe, player exclusive plans, the the two shoes Luca's going to be wearing for the rest of the season, uh, maybe some stuff that Jordan Brand has has planned. We'll talk some Jimmy Butler on who Jimmy Butler could be signing with soon. Man, yeah, we talked all this stuff. So if you love shoes, if you love, uh, if you want more information on this whole Jordan, Luca, uh, all that stuff and how that went down, then I think you'll really enjoy tomorrow's pod. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a a, a good um, good chat with him. And yeah, I mean, there's nobody better in the business when it comes to shoes and NBA than him. And good for somebody if you don't understand all this stuff to to listen to to kind of figure out why this means things. If you're if you're with Chuck Cooperstein who sent out a, a, such an old man tweet the other day. I was like, why does this matter? Why do people care that Luca signed with Jordan brand? This is the podcast to listen to. This guy will, Nick DePaulo will explain everything. Isaac has done a good job of explaining how a lot of things work and Nick DePaulo will just take it to the next level. So that's tomorrow. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.